0: Right now, though, let's go to Garrett Forrester. He was flying from Calgary to Vancouver yesterday. Should have been a very short routine flight. However, it turned into an overnight ordeal. And Garrett, I know you've now left the Vancouver airport. You must be happy about that. Tell us, though, how things unfolded when you flew to Vancouver from Calgary.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Jill, and kind of sharing my story and everyone else's story. For a matter of fact, Uh yeah, normal flight out of Calgary, 7.30, and all of a sudden it's delayed 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and all of a sudden it's 12 o'clock at night, and, and we're just pulling out. So I'm thinking it's going to be you know, a quick up-and-down flight, get in, as soon as we land, get out. That, that wasn't the case. For whatever reason, when we landed, we were basically sitting idle on a runway for a couple hours, waiting for instruction to kind of get a you know some sort of sense of direction from the crew, and and the people over at WestJet were pretty helpful, and they were kind of left in the dark as well. And, you know, one hour turns to two, two turns to four, four turns to six, and now
0: it's 8.30 in the morning, and I'm just getting off the plane, and I haven't slept a wink yet. And what did they say, or did they tell you why it was? So, so was the bulk of your time then spent sitting on the tarmac in Vancouver?
1: Correct. Yeah, we spent about eight and a half hours from 12.30 uh, last night to about 8.30 this morning.
0: Just sitting on that plane?
1: Just just sitting there. Just sitting there with our thoughts.
0: And were the crew able, like you said, they kind of were in the dark on this too. Were they able to tell you why it was that you were sitting on the tarmac?
1: Yeah, they, they kind of give us a little bit of a sense of direction. They, they said the snow was playing a factor and, you know, not having enough staff, which I thought was kind of interesting considering the time of the year. So they said it was more it was due to, you know, snow coming down staffing and you know equipment malfunction which i don't think is is the greatest excuse in the world we've been able to predict the weather for 40 50 years now we it's just a total total fail top to bottom in terms of planning and being prepared for this sort of weather situation at this time of year with this amount of traffic coming through ybr
0: when you were on the plane then for overnight were you able to see out the window or could you see what was happening around you at the airport
1: uh briefly for about an hour to two hours we could we could sort of see out the window but as the snow kept coming down the the window started to kind of fog and and snow over so we were kind of left in basically a a windowless cylinder in there for a couple hours before we ended up moving to a different taxi spot which we sat there for about an hour and a half then we moved a little bit closer to the gate we could see the finish line sat there for about another two hours and all of a sudden we were able to pull in and kind of get the get the plane everyone off the off the plane i should say
0: Hmm. and what was the mood like on the plane
1: uh, it, it, was just, it was getting pretty precarious by the end of it. You could kind of feel everyone kind of fidgeting, kind of shaking their leg. The whole plane kind of seemed to be to be jostling by the end of it. People were up and about, moving around, and you could definitely cut the tension with a knife by the end of it. People were were get, get, definitely getting tired of it, but we kind of kind of banded together, and we, we, by all no means did we get kind of you know on the on the flight staff or anything like that. We kind of realized we were all together, and it was you could really just feel the sentiment of you know, annoyance of just having to sit there with no sense of direction, no no time frame at all. So if we kind of got maybe a little bit of sense of direction, that might have changed things. But for the most part, we just sat there in the dark, didn't know what was going on, and just frustrations and, and tensions. You could slowly feel it just ratchet up as the hours went by.
0: And I'm guessing since yesterday was one of the busiest days at YVR, was your flight full?
1: Yeah, our, our flight was full, minus maybe one or two people.
0: And I know you said, too, that the crew was trying to keep people in tune with what was happening or bring them the information. Did you get the sense that you were kind of being kept in the dark, like you said, an hour and a half here, an hour there, no real idea what time you might get off that plane? Did you get the sense that they just didn't know?
1: I, I think they didn't know, and I think it's less so on the WestJet staff and more so on on the on YVR for not planning and planning the situation accordingly. Like I said, they 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 knew well in advance that it was going to snow, and I just don't think they had adequate staff or adequate you know plans in place to handle this sort of volume under these types of conditions. And now you probably got a couple thousand people and a couple thousand bags just sitting around the airport, frustrated, looking for some sort of help. And there's like I said, there's not many people out that West yet to help being able to kind of help and provide some guidance, like I said.
0: Yeah, and uh, I mean, we spoke on the show yesterday with a representative from YVR and he even said at that point, we're ready for this snow. Uh, People, yes, should call ahead and make sure their flight and everything is on time, but uh, there's no problem, no problem with crews getting here and that. That's clearly not the case and we'll be following up on that today. Uh, When you finally, you and the other passengers, you were able to get off the plane, I'm, I'm guessing there might have been applause or something happening at that point, but... When you were able to get off the plane and into the airport what was the experience like when you were in the airport
1: it, it felt like I was walking into a completely different country like it, it, it honestly it honestly felt kind of I gonna sound morbid but it looked like a, like a UN station just with people scattered across the floor sleeping with their stuff people walking around you know looking for anyone to help them you know book that reconnecting flight but just seeing the sheer amount of people just laying down on the ground sleeping on the airport floor or it, it just blew my mind that you know an international airport of this caliber is allowing something like this to happen
0: yeah I'm, I'm guessing too in in the times that you've in the past flown into yvr or, or flown between Vancouver and Calgary uh, you've not seen anything like this
1: no but I, it has it has kind of the the air traffic or air travel seems to be kind of changing at least from my sense of things uh the flight departure time just Seems to be kind of a suggestion nowadays. It's 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 all on the passenger to, to show up and jump through all these hoops. And then if the plane leaves when it's supposed to, well, great, you're you're one of the lucky ones. And I just think that there needs to be some sort of accountability on their part because, like I said, we're holding our end of the agreement. We're showing up on time, two hours early, getting our bags checked, you know, following all the procedures. And then when it comes to their end of the deal, it's you know this, that, and the other thing. Why we can't take off or. Or or why we have to do you know whatever it may be. So I I think there needs to be some more accountability on the parts of the airports and the, the airport facility itself in terms of you know respecting and and trying to facilitate that efficient delivery of passengers through through the airport, right?
0: Right. What was it like then? Did you have checked bags?
1: No, I I was I didn't. I I kind of figured I'm only here for a week just to visit my parents over the Christmas break, but they were trying to get us to to put some bags in. In the underneath compartment, but I've, I've seen that, that song and dance before, so they weren't going to fool me on that one.
0: Oh, even in the best of weather conditions, it can be uh, not great if you check it, and then uh, yeah, you, you don't know if it's going to be there, even in those scenarios. That was a, probably a very smart move uh, on your part. Uh, did you see, though, baggage or, or issues, or did you hear anybody with issues about getting their checked bags when you arrived at YVR? Uh, I, I
1: couldn't imagine anybody finding their bags. Just because the, the carousels are overflowing around the carousel. It's full of people, full of bags. It's, it's, a, it's a zoo. I, I don't imagine if, if you're not on top of it and know exactly where to go and find your bag at the right time, you may not be able to find it for a couple of days, maybe period. Because like I said, there's bags everywhere. There's people everywhere. It's, it's just a total maze and it's just a total just cluster of, of incompetence that's going on at YVR right now.
0: And uh, Garrett, though you've been able then, you got through that, and you did finally uh, get uh, off the plane. And, and have you made it away then from the airport now?
1: Yeah, I, I was able to, to get off pretty quick. So I was sitting in the front. I was lucky that way. And my my mom, I feel bad. She was waiting in the in the cell phone model all night trying to find some sense of direction. So I kind of I appreciate her, you know, waiting out for me to, to pick me up. But yeah, it's 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 tough. I, I don't. I I'm just happy to be out of there. To be honest with you, I, I don't really want to fly for at least if I don't have to for the next little while, just based on this experience or until things settled down. Cause like I said, it was just, just a total zoo, no sense of direction. And just, we felt like, I felt like at least I was take, being taken advantage of.
0: All right. Well, Garrett, I'm glad to hear that you made it to your destination. And uh, it's it's too bad as well that your mom had to to wait all night there. But thankfully, that's behind you. I really appreciate you joining us to talk more about this today. And uh, you're here now. Uh, Have a great holiday. And thank you again for doing this.
1: Thank you so much, Jill. Thank you for the time.
0: All right, that was Garrett Forrester. Spent many hours sitting on a plane on a tarmac at YVR. One of many, many people in that scenario. He has now left the airport. But we wanted to find out what is going on at YVR. That is where we find Emily Lazaton Global News reporter. Emily, good afternoon to you.
2: Good afternoon, Jill. Um, uh, let's just say, if you don't have to be here, you're very lucky today. Um, it's, it's. We always use the word chaos, but it's nothing less than that. Um, Uh, There's lines and lines of people, many of them just uncertain of when they're going to get out. Um, I spoke to a handful of people who um, their flights have been canceled and they're just waiting for information from their uh, flight carrier to see when they can get out today. But on top of that, I know you just spoke to, I think, Garrett Forrester, who we also spoke to uh, for TV. And um, I believe he got off the office plane eight hours ago, a few hours ago he but didn't. i just spoke to a family from the philippines their flight was supposed to um lead at midnight last night they were on the tarmac up until about an hour ago they were told to disembark finally um and to come back later tonight their flight is being rescheduled for midnight so you can just imagine i you know they were tired they told me their flight was running or the flight they were on um they'd given the food and the snacks out already so they were slowly running out um, but uh, I'm seeing there's, there's a bit of hope, Jill, because there are flights taking off.
0: Well, that, um, that is yeah. some good news. Have you heard anything, Emily, from officials at YVR or anybody that's giving some more explanation or, or some, like you said, there's some hope there are some flights leaving, but able to update with any information?
2: Yeah, so I have to be frank, you know, we asked for somebody to, um, to appear on camera or to give us some sort of official word. I I did speak with a YVR spokesperson just to get anything from them as to what I can report because, um, you know, I said, what is going on here? I'm seeing delays and cancellations, but there's a, there is a ground stop in effect. So essentially, um, anything that is coming into YVR, uh, is supposed to come into YVR is not arriving. It has been canceled from whatever airport that is. Any flight that's already in the air can land into Y, can land into YVR. So we've seen not too many arrivals. We're seeing more planes take off. Uh, I've asked what I can relay on to our viewers. Um, They're still working on that messaging, but the message from this morning still remains the same. If you don't have to be here, uh, don't be at the airport. But you can imagine that's frustrating because people want to find out when they can leave. Yeah. And to do that, you know, sometimes you do maybe perhaps need to talk to a ticket agent and not just wait by your phone. So, um, but uh, there are lines of people here and uh, it's five days before Christmas. So, I, you know, and we've spoken to family members who are waiting for their family members stuck on the tarmac. And um, I also have confirmed that as of moments ago, I don't have an exact number, but there are still people waiting from last night to disembark their plane. So...
0: All right, what, what a mess. Emily, yeah. we're going to continue trying to get some official words as well from YVR. But thank you so much for joining us and bringing us up to date. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. Well, if you have been out and about in this weather, you know some routes are chaotic. The airport, as we have been talking about, looks like, well... There have been so many different ways of describing it. People slept there overnight. Many people slept on planes on the tarmac because they couldn't get off those planes. We understand there was luggage everywhere, baggage, difficulty finding it. We're going to talk a bit more about that coming up. But right now we are going to shift focus to the vehicles on the roads. And we've been talking about this. We talked about it on the show yesterday, the last time it snowed. Not only should you make sure you've got winter tires, but take that time to clear the snow off your vehicle before you take off. This morning, I saw so many vehicles driving around, and all they had done really is take the snow off the windshield, didn't bother with the rest of the vehicle. Well, that can actually land you a ticket. So let's check in now with Corporal Adriana O'Malley, Media Relations Officer with Richmond RCMP. Corporal, thank you so much for taking some time with us. Thank you for having me, Jill. What's happening in Richmond as far as if your officers find people who have not cleared snow off their vehicles?
3: So our officers are out um, doing both a combination of education and enforcement around the importance of clearing snow off of your vehicles. Uh, you know, on Sunday evening we started on Sunday evening and we had a uh, our road safety unit out and during a three-hour period they stopped 100 vehicles that had not properly cleared the snow or excess snow off of their vehicles. Fortunately, this morning it is looking a little bit better uh, because. Uh, our again, our road safety unit was out, and uh, in a one-hour period, they only came across nine vehicles, which significant improvement. But still, even one vehicle is a danger on our roads.
0: What kind of a ticket can you get then if you're caught and you've not cleared the snow off your vehicle? So the ticket you can get is a
3: drive well um, obstructed view, which is, uh, comes uh, along with three points. Um, as well as a um, $109 fine. So, you know, nobody ever wants a fine. I mean, that is, um, you know, some people may say, well, what's $109? But you know what? Anything that we can do to uh, encourage people to stop driving uh, with that excess no one is a good thing.
0: And do you get a sense, or have you been told at all by the officers, what kind of a response when someone gets pulled over and it's obvious they have snow on the vehicle, they've not taken the time to clear off the vehicle, and when a police officer is now talking to you about that, do people make excuses or what kind of a response are officers getting from these drivers? You know, there's a combination depending on how much
3: snow or where the snow is. Uh, In some cases um, where, say for example, people haven't cleared the snow off the top of their car, they do appear to be unaware um, and they're apologetic and they have cleared the snow off their cars versus some of the ones that you saw in our Twitter feed where somebody has barely cleared a, a peephole out of their front window. Um, the response uh, from those people is it, sometimes, is you know, they are very quick to rectify it, but uh, they're definitely not, um, uh, you know, as apologetic as as some of the other ones.
0: And when you mentioned that fine and that ticket and the number of vehicles in that three hour period with 100 vehicles and not as many, like you said this morning, do you know how many in total, though, how many people have actually been issued tickets?
3: Um, I am still gathering those stats. I know of at least five that have been issued tickets. Like I say, the, the photos that we put out are obviously some of the worst um, ones. Um, so some of the vehicles uh, weren't covered as much, but you know, we're definitely showing some of the examples that we've seen.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, some of the vehicles, it's not even, uh, like you said, it's not just the snow on the top. There's one where, and, and I could see maybe, I'm trying to figure out where somebody might might make the excuse saying, well, I could have boxes that would block the back windows of my car and I'm going to rely on my mirrors, which, okay. But in this one example, not only are all the back windows covered, the side window, the passenger window, the driver's side window, And the mirrors are covered. I don't, there's not a way, it seems, that this person would be able to see anything around them except for right in front through the windshield.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, so people who are driving, no matter how much, excess snow they have, whether it's on the sides um, or the rear or the front, you know, the fact is, is you are limiting your vision. So whether it's being able to see other drivers or pedestrians who are out there, uh, by not clearing that snow, you're um, inhibiting yourself from being able to see properly um, from something that is... Removable something you know yes sometimes you may have boxes where uh, in your vehicle where you're driving maybe with your side mirrors but you at least are driving with side mirrors you're not driving blind or partially blind
0: no e- exactly um, is there a difference and fi- it's fine if uh, you don't know the answer to this but I'm curious if, if you're say an N driver or an L driver is there any difference in if you're if you're caught with this kind of obstruction or not taking the time to clear your vehicle is it different if you're in the graduated license program as opposed to somebody who's an experienced driver for that I would have to consult with our road safety unit right yeah no problem there I'm just curious because even again this morning when I was out walking the dogs I saw so many people with snow on their vehicles and it really does make you shake your head because it's not as though it's even something that takes that long to do even if you don't have a snow brush there's still it's still not that difficult
3: Absolutely. And, you know, fortunately, right now, a lot of the snow is light and fluffy. So, you know, whether you have a snow brush, a scraper, um, or using a broom, I've seen um, people that have been using uh, their home brooms to sweep it off because the snow right now uh, is relatively easy to clear off of the vehicle.
0: Right. Um, do you have the same rule in Richmond as well? And, and again, if this is out of, of your realm, no problem. I'm just curious uh, as far as clearing sidewalks as well and, and making sure that, that sidewalks are clear of ice and snow. Do you know if that's also something that's th- that homeowners and that are supposed to do in Richmond? Uh, yes, they are required to um, have them cleared by 10 a.m. Okay. All right. So, and given the the numbers today, as you said, not as many today as the the last time officers were out on Sunday, uh, does it appear that people are getting the message on if you are going to go out, if you have to go out with your vehicle to, to make sure that you're being as safe as possible? You know, it,
3: it does appear at this point some you know, people are getting the message. What I will also say, though, is there's less people on the road today, uh, which is good because we are encouraging people to stay home. If you don't have to drive, don't get on the road. Uh, and I can say we are seeing significantly less traffic in Richmond today than we did on Sunday or yesterday.
0: All right. And I know there's not a law, it's not required that people have snow tires, although certainly that is an ongoing debate. Uh, Are officers telling people if they do pull over a vehicle and say it's got the snow on it, it hasn't been cleared? If it's a vehicle that's clearly not uh, equipped or, or a good vehicle to be on the roads in this, are they reminding people or telling people that maybe they shouldn't be on the roads? Absolutely. Yeah, anything we can
3: do to keep people safe, to prevent a collision, to prevent a pedestrian from
0: getting injured, you know, we we are going to provide that education and that recommendation. All right. And as far as you know, then, uh, like you said, not as many vehicles on the road today, people uh, not uh, not uh, going to the roads, getting that message not to go out unless you absolutely have to. Uh, d- does the airport, what's happening at the airport have any, um, any effect or impact on Richmond RCMP?
3: So we do police um, at uh, the Vancouver International Airport so our officers are out there today and assisting with any um, matters that they can Um, and obviously it's an extremely
0: busy day at the airport and uh, you will see our officers out there uh, assisting on any matters possible. All right. And but nothing that you know of that's I, and I know there's a ton of people that are stranded at the airport and people that have been stranded on planes. But as, as far as you know, have there been any other calls or any other issues that our, Richmond RCMP have had to deal with? We haven't had any significant files of note today. All right. So, well, thank you so much, uh, Corporal, uh, for joining us. A very timely reminder uh, and also a reminder that people can be ticketed if they don't uh, brush those vehicles off before they head out on the roads. Thank you so much for your time today. Well, we will have more on what's happening on the roads and the fallout from the snowfall coming up. But just a quick note though, we were talking with Deborah Marshall with BC Ferries and she had mentioned that the sailings between the um, Horseshoe Bay and Bowen Island were going to be suspended this afternoon because of a lack of crew. Well, they were able to find a crew member so those sailings are back on. So if you had changed your plans and they involved Snug Cove and Horseshoe Bay up daily or the upcoming sailings that had been canceled. Those have been reinstated. So some good news for anybody traveling between Horseshoe Bay and Bowen Island. Those sailings are back on, not canceled, as earlier stated so that's one bit of good news this afternoon we are going to switch gears a little bit and talk about something else and this is out of burnaby where rcmp there have issued a public alert about virtual kidnapping scams and this follows a recent incident the target was an international student living in burnaby joining us with more on this is sergeant frida fong with the burnaby rcmp investigative support team sergeant thank you so much for being with us Hi there. Thanks for having me. Uh, This uh, seems like a very elaborate scheme uh, and a frightening one as well. Can you tell us a little bit what happened here?
4: Sure. Um, This is not the first time we've seen this type of scam. What's concerning is that they've become more elaborate. So in this particular case in Burnaby, a Chinese international student uh, received a phone call uh, in August of this year. And uh, two people over the phone uh, posed as Chinese police officers, and they claimed that the victim was a suspect of an ongoing investigation in China.
0: And did they say what the investigation was or how this person, uh, what they were claiming, how this person was involved?
4: Uh, there were n- uh, no specific details that I can speak about, but um, generally the scheme is that they're the suspect of an ongoing uh, investigation overseas, and in order to resolve the matter, um, the uh, victim is required to transfer money, and then they're also directed to make a series of videos and photos of themselves uh, in order to help um, get rid of the court case, quote-unquote.
0: And that's where, to me, things went uh, a little bit, it seemed very, very strange. So this was uh, a course of several weeks, so the suspects told the victim uh, to make a series of hostage videos, saying that that would help, the court case, that seems rather odd, but they must have done it in a way that it was believable.
4: That's correct. These schemes can be very convincing and uh, particularly the target audience tends to be people who are isolated here and don't know the criminal justice system in Canada. So um, it can become very believable to the victim and the suspects will tailor the story and information to suit the victim's case, making it uh, even more believable.
0: And I understand as well that the victim was pressured and ended up paying the suspects quite a lot of money?
4: That's correct. So over um, several weeks, the victim unfortunately transferred money using an online app, and uh, unfortunately was defrauded of tens of thousands of dollars. Um, Ultimately, in early November, Uh, the suspects attempted to uh, extort his family in China for an additional larger amount of money. And that's when uh, his family grew suspicious and contacted the police in Canada.
0: And so I understand, too, so when they contacted the victim's family and the family that was still in China, so at that point, was the family shown the hostage videos that they had kind of coerce the victim into making, and that's when they made the ransom against the family?
4: That's correct. So, so simultaneously while making the um, ransom demand, uh, they will use these pre-recorded videos and photos to make it believable. At the same time, the victim is directed to uh, cut all contacts with his family and also not engage with the local police in Canada. Which uh, makes it uh, even more believable from the family standpoint. Uh,
0: so the victim e- e- is safe to say, or is it exaggerating to say that kind of instructed the, 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 that the victim uh, go into hiding, or, or like you say, cut off all contact? That's
4: correct. Yeah. In this case, um, they're told to go into hiding. Uh, usually it's for a, a period of time, so they may say, um, cut all contact for two days. Go into hiding and uh, don't contact the police. And then during that period of time, that's when the uh, victims' fam- uh, the suspects, will extort the victims' family. Uh,
0: so it sounds like, luckily, the victims' family uh, were clued in that something just didn't seem right here, and that they 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 didn't want to go along with this. This seems suspicious. So is that when they reached out, or that when they contacted RCMP?
4: Yep, that's correct. That's when they contacted um, Burnaby RCMP and uh, we launched an investigation and uh, very quickly noticed the hallmarks of the uh, virtual kidnapping scam.
0: And so what happened in this case or has this case been resolved?
4: Um, it's still under investigation. Uh, what we can say is that the victim was unharmed and uh, never met with the suspect. So this was all done virtually successfully.
0: Are they dangerous people that are doing this? I mean, obviously they're going after money and they're going after people that they think will fall for this scheme and their families, but are they dangerous people as well?
4: What we know is that um, we haven't seen physical contact being made uh, between the suspects and the victim, but I think the danger is still there because uh, depending on what they're directing the victim to do, Uh, that can be um, problematic, obviously.
0: And you mentioned as well that this isn't the first time this has happened. This is one of the more recent ones, though. Do do you think there are other international students that have been targeted or that have potentially fallen victim to these types of scams?
4: Yes, so this has been uh, ongoing for uh, a few years, to my knowledge. Um, And the hallmarks tend to be the same, where... It's the same kind of target group of victims, and then the suspects are virtual. Um, So it's a a pattern that we've seen before. Unfortunately, it's not new. Um, What is concerning is that these scams have become uh, more elaborate and sophisticated, and that it's still recurring and it's targeting the same group of people, mainly uh, Chinese international students that are overseas.
0: And do we know how the scammers pick their victims or get the phone numbers and find ways to contact them?
4: It's unclear, but, um, throughout the investigation, what seems to be the common pattern are that the calls are random and, uh, it appears that there are persistent calls that, um, are random and, um, They're just basically waiting for someone who speaks Mandarin or Cantonese to pick up. Hmm.
0: Uh, So what are you putting out there then as far as obviously a warning to international students, uh, to their families? What else would you like to put out there to make sure that people know about this? Uh, We're specifically
4: working with uh, post-secondary institutions uh, to um, get the education out there. But also, um, we'd like to remind uh, the public that when you do receive uh, such suspicious calls, uh, to not comply with the caller's demand, and uh, to hang up the phone and to report the incident, this helps the police investigate. Um, It's also wise to never give out personal information over the phone, and to have an understanding of how um, the local police here operate. Um, What's also uh, particularly important, uh, especially during this time of the year, is to stay connected with your loved ones, even if they're overseas, uh, because it will help to share information and to warn warn them about uh, this type of
0: fraud. All right. It's good advice and a good reminder, especially when clearly these scammers are still out there and targeting people. Sergeant Fong, thank you so much for joining us for talking more about this today. Thanks for having me.